Shadowcastaudio.com presents The Masters of Horror, the anthology. Welcome to a world hidden behind the blinds of reality, a landscape waiting to be molded into a thing of pain and torture. This anthology is not for the faint-hearted. The ideas, themes, and disturbing images portrayed within will send your brain into overdrive on the road to madness. This book is guaranteed to rob you of sleep at night and bring you the nightmares you've most feared. You've been warned. K.K. Ken Cupstis is the author of Stable Gun Logic, More Inhuman Resources, Clown White, A Comedy of Horrors, Inhuman Resources, and Rock Her World, A Man's Guide to Women. As an actor, he has appeared in the films The Casino Job, Go, Immortal, and Biohazard, The Alien Force. You can visit him at www.myspace.com slash rockherworld. On another note, Ken was stricken with a brain aneurysm earlier this month and is currently in intensive care. As far as I know, he has not regained consciousness, so please keep him in your thoughts and prayers this holiday season. Here's Visitation by K.K. Read by Kate Sherrod. Visitation by K.K. Read by Kate Sherrod. There was turbulence at 10,000 feet as Jessica Walker descended towards Las Vegas, but she hardly noticed it. She could see the shaft of light from the top of the Luxor Casino Pyramid, and her heart was electric with anticipation and triumph. Alice, sweet Alice, Jessica thought with a trace of a smile on her lips. She'd named her that after seeing the movie of the same name. She'd be damned if Jeff was going to have his way and name her something else. Yes, Alice was, had been, his daughter too. It was most unfortunate the judge in the divorce case had seen it that way. But that was then. This was now. She changed. Soon, very soon, they'd all know. And things would be different. 5,000 feet. The lights of the other casinos on the strip came into view. Jeff, I can see our house from here. Oh, I'm sorry, your house. Very soon now. Alice, sweet Alice. She'd always looked forward to her visits. Ron Pulaski pulled into Jefferson Walker's driveway at 6.52 p.m. that night and stepped out of his Mercedes into a sudden lash of cold rain. He grunted in anger as the water doused his face in expensive suit. Damn, I moved here because it's not supposed to rain, ever. Why he'd volunteered for this fool's errand escaped him for a moment. Then he remembered it was Andrea Stewart's assignment originally, until her recent problem. Custody of the child, Alice Walker, will be granted to the father, Jefferson Walker. Visitation rights will be granted to the mother, Jessica Walker, under the supervision of a court-appointed monitor. In Ron's legal experience, which wasn't a lot besides law school, it was new to him. Divorce courts were notorious for awarding custody to the mother, something he himself had grown up with. 
Fortunately, it had been when he was in his late teens and fully out for himself. God knew what divorces did to younger kids. By taking Andrea's place, he might get a glimpse of why Walker versus Walker had turned out the way it did. It all changed when the shamelessly drunk father, Jefferson Walker, admitted him into the Walker house. Hello uh, there. Wait a minute. You're not Andrea. Who are you? Jefferson demanded. He was a slight black man in his mid-thirties, conservatively dressed in a blue blazer and slacks, white shirt, and a paisley tie. Yet the illusion of respectability and success was shattered by the stench of alcohol and the doomed look in his eyes. I'm Ron Pulaski, Mr. Jefferson. I'm here in place of Miss Stewart. Oh, okay, it's cool of me. Come on in, I just gotta grade some more papers. He flung the door wide open and walked away into the house. Ron entered hesitantly into a suburban nightmare. This isn't possible, Ron thought. This guy's a teacher, makes over forty grand a year. How can they live like this? But questions went unanswered in the face of reality. Takeout food wrappers strewn all over the house. Beer cans piled in bizarre pyramids everywhere. Shoes and dirty clothes left here and there. The house had once been magnificent to hear both the plaintiff and defendant tell it. A new four-bedroom, two-bath, raised ranch in Green Valley. Ron choked back his disgust. He'd seen worse, but not by much. It wasn't what he'd become a lawyer for. Mr. Walker, is Alice here? Ron asked, picking his way through the debris. Course, she's in the shower. Be out in a minute, sit down and relax. You got no choice anyway, Jefferson said as he picked through papers on an overloaded desk in the corner. What the hell did he mean by that? What did you... Uh, Mr. Walker, have there been any recent problems I should be aware of? Ron said, clearing himself a space on the overstuffed leather couch. Jefferson angrily slashed a student's paper with a red pen and then looked over at Ron with amusement. Problem? No, sir, no problem. None that you shouldn't have seen coming, but... He paused, sighing heavily, seeming to sober up slightly. It's not your fault. You ought to trade and define legal problems. You can't know what's... He choked for a minute, then started retching, and Ron got up to help him just as he spoke again. What's really been going on behind the scenes? There was still alcohol ruling his voice, but inside it Ron could sense misery, indecision, fear... Alice Walker came out of the bathroom then. Ron couldn't believe his eyes. He took a good long look at her, then ripped open his briefcase. Daughter Alice, born October 31st, 2000. Ron was looking at a ten-year-old girl. With breasts bigger than his wife's? It is impossible. But here she was, reality in jeans and a sweater, towel-drying her hair. Only her height and traces of remaining baby fat betrayed her age. She stopped walking and toweling her hair when she saw Ron, 
then looked from him to her father with piercing, intelligent brown eyes. Oh, here she is. Ron, this is Alice. Alice, this is Ron from the attorney's office. Here in place of Miss Stewart. Hi, Alice said quietly, perhaps a bit nervously. Ron got up to shake her hand. Hello, Alice, he said as warmly as he could. He'd heard that some kids in divorce cases looked at lawyers as the administrators of divorce, and therefore the enemy. Not him, he hoped. Her small hand was warm, soft, and slightly damp in his. Oh, come on, Alice, what's this high stuff? Say good evening, Mr... What'd you say your name was? Jefferson Walker said. Pulaski, Ron said. Alice looked from her father to Ron again. Good evening, Mr. Pulaski, she said. In French! Alice frowned momentarily and said, Bonsoir, Monsieur Pulaski. That's better. Jefferson gave Ron a look of, See, look what I did. Ron thought it was disgustingly petty, but he said nothing. He'd often heard that in the midst of custody battles, parents stooped to slimy depths to prove that they were the great shining role model and the spouse was a hellish parasite. Sad but true. I'm going to clean up, okay, Dad? Alice asked. No, I'll get to it in a moment. You go get dressed for your mother. She'll be here soon, Jefferson said. Alice sighed but gave Ron a polite smile and went to do as she was told. Jefferson stacked his papers and put them back in a briefcase, then started unenthusiastically cleaning the living room. You want a drink, Ron? Um, yes. A glass of water would be fine. Thanks. Ron sat back down, a bit embarrassed to watch Jefferson shoving trash from all around him into a hefty leaf bag. Sure you don't want nothing stronger? Got gin, scotch, bourbon, vodka, rum. As if seduced by his selection, he put the bag down and pulled the bottle of Cutty Sark from a cupboard, pouring five fingers neat into a plastic tumbler. He took out another tumbler and filled it with ice water. No thanks. Ron looked to ensure that Alice wasn't nearby, then continued... Mr. Walker, I'm observing tonight as a favor to a co-worker, so I'm not going to be too judgmental. But I think I should tell you, your conduct and surroundings right now could come back to haunt you if I were someone else. Jefferson frowned at Ron as he brought him his ice water. Then he laughed loud and long. Oh, I get it. It's because I'm smashed and the house is a wreck. Yeah, I can dig you. Jessica's attorney might find out, or she might hire a private detective or something. She'd use it to drag us all back into court and fight for custody all over again. He took a drink and smiled sadly, as if envisioning it. But you know what? I don't really care anymore. I'm a sloppy drunk, it's obvious. Didn't used to be, and I hope to be able to change someday, but I love Alice, and I take good care of her. 
I make sure she's got clothes and food and a roof over her head. I make sure she does her homework and talk with her and teach her about the world. The court saw that. And Jessica wasn't worried too much. She could snatch Alice anytime she wanted, Jefferson said, sipping more scotch. Ron took a second to check his watch. Hmm. She's a bit late, isn't she? Jefferson snickered. Eh, she called earlier to tell me she was flying in. Didn't give me an exact time, though. Never does. She'll be here soon, though. Where does she live now? Jefferson shrugged. I got no idea. As he said it, he shuddered visibly, took another drink, and continued. You know, the, mm, the funniest thing is, she's actually abiding by the court's decision when she doesn't have to. She can do anything she wants, any time she wants. I can't stop her, neither can you or the courts or anyone else. Ron could feel the raw, sad futility seeping from Walker. It matched the hopelessness in his eyes, the burnt-out look of a man who had panicked for so long that his soul had just given up and lost its capacity for fear. Ron felt an urge to throw an arm around Walker pat him on the back and say, Come on, man. It's all right. Everything's going to be fine. But of course, he was a lawyer. Mr. Walker, I didn't mean to rip open any old wounds by what I said earlier, but you do want to retain custody of Alice, don't you? Oh, I will retain custody of Alice, at least in the legal sense. <laughs> no court in the world would judge Jessica to be a fit mother. He paused, gulped more scotch, and sighed. Do you read the transcripts of the case? Nine counts of cruelty to animals. Eleven counts of public indecency? indecency? Contempt of court? Damn, wasn't that an understatement? Documented history of drug abuse and psychiatric episodes? <laughs> no, sir. Jessica's not getting legal custody of Alice in this lifetime or any other. But she doesn't care about that. Just because I've retained custody of Alice, it doesn't mean I can retain Alice herself. Ron stared at him. Are you worried about Jessica abducting Alice? Jefferson frowned, not answering for many moments. Then, oh, I'm not worried about it. You can't really worry about something you can't do anything about. It's already happening anyway. What the courts call visitation, I call abduction. Ron had his briefcase open again and was looking from Jefferson to assorted court records and back again. But you and Alice both said that Jessica had no history of violence. She never abused or threatened you or Alice. She always returned from prior visitations on time and unharmed, Ron pointed out. Jefferson laughed again. Then he crouched in front of Ron so his face was inches away. Not physically harmed, no. 
I know Jessica wouldn't deliberately hurt Alice, but, you know, Alice is special. Any fool could see that. She's developing at an incredible rate and has an IQ of God knows what. And the reason she's special is Jessica. He looked away from Ron, blanking out for a second, then got up to refill his drink. There was a cold silence until he returned, sipped, and spoke again. Problem is, Jessica wants Alice to be just like her. Jessica probably thinks it's fine, it's justified, it's Alice's birthright. But I think she's too far gone to realize that making Alice just like her can render Alice permanently insane. Jefferson finished, sighing heavily, sipping again. Ron shook his head. This game of condemn the ex had reached the limits of hysteria. Mr. Walker, you make it sound like Jessica's some kind of monster. You say tomato, I say tomato. Jefferson shrugged. Hey, don't take my word for anything. What did your associate Mrs. Stewart say? Ron didn't say anything, because after observing the last visitation, Andrea Stewart hadn't said anything either. She just stared into space and drooled, and was probably doing that even now. 2,000 feet. Jessica frowned for a moment, suddenly realized she was wearing one of her most expensive dresses, and what was going to happen to it. Oh well... One thousand feet. Alice. Sweet Alice. Five hundred feet. Hell, maybe she'd make Jeff fix the house this time. What was he going to do, sue her? One hundred feet. What could anyone do, really? Fifty feet. Impact. Ron looked up in shock as a sudden crunch shook the house. Sure you don't want that drink? Jefferson asked casually. Another crunch came from the floor directly above them. What the hell was that? Ron blurted. Jessica. Better late than never. Alice! Your mother's here! Ron stared at Jefferson. But you said she was flying in, yeah. I never said nothing about using a plane. Better stand back, I'm not sure where. Crunch! A storm of plaster, smashed wood, and chunks of drywall blasted down from the ceiling. Ron threw himself off the couch and into the far corner. Jefferson himself had stepped back a few yards since the first sound of impact. As such, the crushed and bleeding body of Jessica Walker missed both of them as it slammed heavily down onto the living room floor. Jesus Christ! Ron screamed. She's just fine, Mr. Pulaski. Just give her a moment, Alice said as she emerged from her room. A backpack was slung over her shoulder, and a small overnight bag was clutched in her hand. As Ron's bulging eyes continued to watch, the pulped figure on the living room floor quivered for a moment, then began to breathe. 
Then it got to its knees, then its feet. Jessica Walker continued to bleed, but she was bleeding in reverse now. Thick red-black gouts trailing up her legs and torso, back into the deep slashes in her flesh, seeping past the splintered shards of bone protruding from her arms, neck, face, and chest. Then the blood was gone, leaving only the empty wounds themselves, and Jessica's skin closed over them like waves on a beach. Broken bones slid cleanly back into her body. Ron couldn't look at her anymore. He turned to face the wall and vomited. How are you, Jeff? Jessica asked calmly. She gathered the torn threads of her black dress around her body. Threads shot from beneath her fingernails and wrapped around her like a bizarre spider web, knitting the dress all over again. In seconds, it was off the rack new again. I'm alive, Jefferson Walker said, a slight tremor in his voice, but he still stood his ground. Jessica laughed, a deep, husky sound that sounded like ancient rocks crumbling deep beneath the earth. I don't think so, Jeff. I don't think you'll ever know what it means to really be alive. But maybe Alice will. She turned to look at Alice and smiled at her, an odd light leaping into her deep brown eyes. For God's sake, Jessica, Walker began. Jessica noticed Ron for the first time, frowned at him, then sneered and looked at Jefferson again. Which God? she countered, mockery in her voice. Just take Alice home with you this time, all right? Let her eat a hamburger, let her watch a movie. Just let her be a normal kid, all right? Will you do that much, just this once? That ain't asking too much, is it? There was care and compromise in his voice, but no power, and she knew it. Jessica laughed again. We'll see. Alice isn't ready to go to my home yet. She may never be. That's why I take her to other places. And as for letting her be a normal kid, I don't think that's an option. I think you should know that by now, Jeff. Mom, I had a funny feeling you might wreck your clothes again, so I knitted you a sweater. Alice said, and unfolded a beautiful handmade garment from her overnight bag. She handed it to her mother. Sweetheart, how wonderful. Thank you, thank you very much. Oh, it looks so warm. Jessica slid the sweater over her head to put it on, and the moment her eyes were out of view, Alice turned to her father and shrugged. Jefferson looked at Alice and mouthed the words, that was very nice of you. They took another second to smile feebly at each other. The sweater fit Jessica smugly, and she beamed at Alice. It's beautiful, Alice. Thanks again. Ready to go? Alice nodded. Jessica began murmuring strange sounds and drew a circle in the air with her hand. She whirled her hand wider and faster until the very fabric of reality spun away from her into a huge hole in the air. Ron felt the temperature and light change in the room, and a hot wind blasted over him, 
It carried a scent of cinnamon. He chanced to look over his shoulder and saw Jessica and Alice standing before a circular window into... Where? A crazed landscape of crimson trees twisted into a thousand mutant shapes. Small creatures flew and jumped through the underbrush. Two blue suns crested a ridge of orange mountains that looked too sharply pointed to be real, unless they weren't really mountains. I don't know, Mom. It looks weird, Alice stammered. Ron felt his sanity slipping away through his aching eyes, but his sense of humor hung on like grim death, allowing him to think, Ain't that a fucking understatement? Oh, don't be scared, sweetheart. I've made sure it's safe. I've got all kinds of new friends here, and they all want to meet you. Come on. Her hand closed around her daughter's with the implacable strength of a bear trap. Alice sighed and stepped forward with her, hesitantly. You bring her back on time, you hear me? You bring her back safe, Jefferson shouted as his daughter and ex-wife walked into the netherworld. The circle began closing, and to Ron it looked like Jessica's flesh was peeling away in the alien sunlight, to be replaced by a coat of scales that glimmered with all the colors of that strange and godless world. Ron didn't want to see any more. He wished his eyes would close or, or melt or anything at all, but he couldn't look away. All he could do was stare and pray that the circle in the air would close before he went mad. His fast, withering sense of humor let him think, Nice girl. Where'd you meet her? You bring her back! Jefferson shouted to his ex-wife. The circle was almost closed now, and he could see his ex-daughter glance back at him with a tear in her eye. And he could hear Jessica answer him in a voice of exploding suns, two words which chilled both Ron's soul and his. We'll see. This has been a presentation of ShadowCastAudio.com and is produced under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Copy it, share it, pimp it all you want. Just don't try to sell it or change it. We keep this going through you, the listener. For the duration of the Masters of Horror podcast, all who make donations to ShadowCastAudio.com will receive an ebook copy of the Masters of Horror. Just specify which format you would like. In addition, you'll also be entered to win a print version signed by myself, which will be given away at the end of the last episode. The music for the podcast is an original piece done specifically for the Masters of Horror by Christopher Carlson. Find more great selections at ChristopherCarlson.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>